You are listening to episode 36 of the Ridiculous Hour podcast titled More. My name is Kat Silverglade, founder of the Mobile Mission Project at the Ridiculous Hour Foundation. We're on a mission here to carve out daily space to rethink how we respond to every bell, ding, and whistle that demands our attention. We're actually on a journey together with individuals in about 10 countries, 45 states, and 260 plus cities who are being challenged monthly to wonder how our lives would be different if we made responsiveness to God a core life value. How might we change our families' lives, our neighborhoods, our cities, and towns if we, if we stopped acting like human reactors and we instead became first responders, making it a mission to respond first to God in all we do? So, would you give yourself permission to take the next 12 or so minutes to explore how we might rethink responsiveness to God in December of 2022? Can you press the pause button just long enough to take a deep breath and see what God teaches us here? Here's our story, more. Our 18-month-old granddaughter communicates with us mostly through sign language, which I know might sound a little strange because she's not hearing impaired, her parents aren't hearing impaired, we don't have a hearing impaired person in our family, but her parents, our son and our daughter-in-law, decided that they would like to open as many doors to communication with her as they could at the youngest possible age. And apparently, children can use their hands uh, in a way to communicate a word or a phrase in a way that they can't use their voice yet. And so it does open doors for certain children to a little bit more elevated communication very early on. So that's what they did. They, they started teaching her one, one sign at a time and she actually picked it up pretty quickly. So on a recent visit, we were uh, walking in the park and so she rubs her chest with her hand in a circle, which means please, and then she points at a swing, and then she points at me, and of course I know exactly what that means, please, will you put me on the swing, mama cat, that's what she calls me. Earlier in the day, we had breakfast with her other grandmother uh, at a food truck. We got breakfast burritos, which she loves, but the minute a dog came over to, with its owner to order whatever they were gonna get for breakfast, she dropped her burrito, and she put her hands up in the air and she started wiggling back and forth and back and forth in unison, which is the sign for all done. <laughs> she pointed to the dog and then she rubbed her chest in a circle, which means please. So translated, I would much rather get down and pet that dog than I would eat breakfast. So my sign language is not nearly as sophisticated as hers. Uh, and I responded verbally to her and said, you know what? honey, we're going to finish our food. And when we're done with our food, if the dog is still here, we'll get down and we'll, we'll pet the doggy. So she crams down that burrito so fast, like she's a starving child, puts her hands up in the air, does the motion for all done, points to the dog and gives me an urgent look with her eyes. And off we went to point to, to pet the dog. Anyway, the whole thing about this mode of communication is that it's extremely intimate and personal and it's also I think extremely revealing about 
the emotions of the child. Because when we speak with our words, we do use intonation and emotions in a different way. But when you're using sign language, your face matches the expression of what you're doing. So if there's urgency in what you're saying, there's urgency in your facial expressions. She uses her whole body to communicate these messages. Um, I love this. It's it's so interesting to, this is my first grandchild, so interesting to be on this journey with her. But here's the one word that has brought me to tears, um, not every time, but I would say more frequently than any other word that she's spoken. And it's the sign for more. And before I tell you um, how I learn this sign with her, I'll tell you how the sign goes. You, if you make two O's with your two hands, like if you're going to make silly glasses and put your, your hands over your eyes to make circles over your eyes, um, your thumb goes on the bottom and your four fingers press on top of your thumb, so you've got two circles. And then if you imagine you would flatten those circles out just a little bit so they look more like bird beaks and then they look like circles. And then you would tap the two bird beaks together a couple times like the birds are kissing. That is the sign for more. I think I've described that well enough for you to see it in your mind's eye. So the first time I remember um, this sign bringing me to tears was... Uh, one night our son suggested that my husband and I do a FaceTime call with our granddaughter and read her a story, sing her a song, say prayers together, and you know, kind of do a bedtime routine to make it nice and calm and, and uh, lovely for us to be together over FaceTime. So it's all going really well, the story's going well, then we start the song and she starts starts gradually taking her two little bird beaks and tapping them together gently. And then as the song gets closer to the end, it gets more and more urgent and her facial expression is just turning to grief. And I realize while she's doing this that um, she is realizing that when the song is over, our time is over and she won't be able to see us anymore on the screen and she won't be able to hear our voices anymore. It's not a bedtime avoidance kind of grief. It's a, if I, I, I can't see you anymore kind of grief. It would, oh, it just totally broke my heart. It was so hard to hang up. The second time that it happened was, was recently about three, I guess it's about three weeks ago now was visiting her, um, with her other grandmother, we were taking care of her for a week while her parents were out of town. And the concept of time, how long you're going to be together, isn't developed in a child. So I couldn't just say, Lily, I'm going to be with you for five days. Um, she just had to discover it when it was time to go. So we went to the airport. I was in the back of the car with her. And just as we were pulling up to the uh, terminal, I leaned over and I said, I'm going to see you in one week, sweetie. I love you. And she realized by the way I said it and the way I leaned over to kiss her that this was goodbye. And she started pounding her bird beaks together and she started crying the deepest, saddest, griefy cry you can imagine. It absolutely broke my heart. Here's, um, here's how I interpreted her grief on those two occasions. And it's kind of the grief of a child when, when someone leaves. If I can't see you with my eyes or touch you with my hands or hear you with my ears, how do I know that there's going to be more? How do I know 
that I'm ever going to see you again. And it's interesting to, to observe this in her because psychologists have actually studied this phenomenon in children. Actually, there's a, um, a Swiss psychologist who lived between um, 1896 and 1980 named Jean Piaget. And uh, this guy studied developmental differences between adults and children and wanted to really focus on is the process the same for an adult as it is for a child. And this psychologist came up with a, a phrase called object permanence. Children before a certain age, sometime before two years old, don't have object permanence. To them, if something moves out of sight, it's as if it does not exist anymore. So imagine you know, you've seen your, your children or your grandchildren or your friend's children, they, they're eating Cheerios on their high chair and a Cheerio falls off and they have this unusual reaction. They, they cry like something terrible has happened. But to them, it's not like the Cheerio fell. To them, it's like the Cheerio doesn't even exist anymore. There's not a possibility of having that Cheerio again. It's the same with a parent who leaves a room and a child has an unusual separation reaction. It's not just like the parent left the room. It's like the parent doesn't exist anymore. After a while, after a child sees the Cheerio go off the floor and back onto the tray, or sees the parent come back in the room repeatedly, they learn constancy. They learn permanence. This inner belief that there is permanence beyond sight replaces the need for a sighted assurance, for, for an assurance that's based on what I can perceive with my senses in your presence. And someone, I'm sure, listening to this has already made the connection to our spiritual lives. It is so beautiful when you think about how we're born into our faith and how we grow in our faith with a God that we can't see with our eyes, but we know exists with our hearts. So I love this part of scripture. Um, uh, it's in John uh, chapter 16, starting at about verse 16. It goes, goes all the way through verse 22. Um, I'm going to paraphrase except for this first part. The scriptures tell us that the Lord showed up in the flesh, that he touched people miraculously, that he told them of their glory. And then he tells his disciples this really confusing truth. He, he, says, he says something that confuses them in a way that I'm sure confused my granddaughter in the same way. He says this, he says, in a little while, you're going to see me no more. And then after a little while, you're going to see me, John 16, 16. And they say, what? Like, what, what does that even mean? And then he goes a little bit deeper. He, he tells them, and by the way, this separation for me is going to cause you grief. When you can't see me, you're going to have deep grief, John 16, 20. But he keeps going. He says, there's more. There's more beyond grief. There's much more. Because nobody is going to be able to take away your joy when you experience my risen presence, the sight of heaven. My spirit is going to come and actively dwell in your daily lives with you. And you will not be able to shut up about it. And that all comes in various verses, ending with Acts 1.8. You're going to go... You're going to go to the ends of the earth and you're going to be telling people people about this and it happens they see him again he rises his spirit comes to dwell in their hearts and they can't stop talking about it they don't stop talking about it they spend the rest of their lives talking about 
the more that the Lord shared, the more of the Lord. There was more beyond death. There was more because there's always more with God. Here we are at the end of another year, but it's not just the end of a calendar year. It's the end of another year in his presence. We have had his presence dwelling in our hearts for a year, for the last year. And even if this is our hardest year ever, even if this is our darkest year that we can remember, we are renewed when we reflect on every moment, every morsel, every piece of time where we or another person experience salvation or rescue or peace or more hope or more patience, more kindness, more love, more conviction, more forgiveness, comfort, transformation, healing, all the things of God, all the mores. Our faith grows in the process of looking back at how much more we had of God this year and how much more we've grown. I have a sign on my desk in my office that says, it's been one more day and I love you more. And it cites the passage in scripture, the Shema, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Every day there's more of God. Every day we can love him more. But reflection is a really important part of how we grow in that and how we recognize it. So let's do that. Let's let's listen to how the how the Apostle Paul discusses what is happening when we um, move from more to more. I would say he says we he says we move from more to more. He says it in the words we go from glory to glory, and he literally says that we are the ones with unveiled faces that are looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. And as we do that, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Isn't that beautiful? That we are being transformed as we reflect on the more. So our mission this month is simple, but it's not simplistic. This one is a deep dive. We're taking in an entire year in this one mission uh, in a very creative way. So in your mission pack, if you've already received it, you're gonna find um, five transparent sticky notes. They're in the shape of pencils and they're all put on a transparent sticky note. And then you're gonna find a couple of postcards. So shake that out. If you don't have a mission pack, don't worry. You can go to our website. Uh, theridiculoushour.com, go to the mission page and request a mission pack. We'll send you one. If you want to get on our regular list, they'll just come at the beginning of the month, hopefully before this podcast um, releases and you have it when you're listening to this. So here's what we plan to do every day in the month of December to rethink our responsiveness to God. We are going to reflect on the more moments of 2022. We're going to reflect on our whole year. We're gonna write down everything we can remember about God's presence in our life and in the lives of those around us. And at the end of each week in December, we are gonna have a more moment. We are gonna invite a family member. We're gonna invite a spouse. We're gonna invite a group. We're gonna invite um, someone from our church. We're gonna invite a neighbor. We're gonna invite anyone that we feel comfortable inviting sharing to share our more list with. Can I tell you how I experienced more of God this year? How I grew in my faith this year? I've started making this list. I'm doing this ridiculous hour thing. This is our project for the month. And this is supposed to get me excited about the more in the year to come and get me excited about sharing the more of my faith with others. 
So the first week uh, is a short week. It ends on December 3rd. So in those few days at the beginning of December, you're going to write 12-3 on that first pencil. You're going to put it in a place where you can't ignore it. You're going to be done with your list on that day, at some point in that day, and you're going to have a more moment with someone. And then the next week, you're going to think that you can't think of anything else because you really went at it in the first week, but there's always more with God. And you're going to list a few more things. And at the end of that week, December 10th, you're going to have one more, more, more moment. It could be with the same person. It could be with different people. And you're going to do that again. Take out those pencils, write December 3rd on one, December 10th on another, December 12th, 17th on another, December 24th on another, December 31st. Those are the five weeks in December and we're going to have five more moments. Commit right now before the month begins. Don't let a single one of those dates pass without doing a more reflection with someone. It can be a Facebook post, it can be a text message, it can be a phone call, it can be a cup of coffee, it can be in your small group, but don't miss it. Don't miss this moment. Okay, there's a couple of postcards in your mission pack and on the front they say, this is so ridiculous, I just have to share it. Consider using those postcards to, sell, to tell someone about one of your mores. So here's a couple of ideas. You can make it your own, you should make it your own. Um, to your pastor, I saw more of God this year because you preached his word week in and week out. Thank you. I had more of him because of you. Um, you were the Lord's hands and feet to me when you brought me dinner when I was sick. I saw more of him in you. Um, I saw more of the Lord because we got together as a group and we talked about him. Whatever it is, make it your own. You get the idea. There's a couple postcards in there. If you decide you want more, let us know. We'll send you a few more. And if you are listening to this podcast and you're new to all this stuff and you have no idea where to start, here's what I would say. The Lord says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And I would say this, the question for you, the question for me, the question for each and every one of us is this, will we respond? Will we respond to the more knocking at the door of our heart? Because he has more for us than we could ever hope or imagine. Amen. Amen.